This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to the show. My name is Adam Ritz, and Jay Baker is joining me on the telephone. Jay, how's uh, how's it going now that we're into December? Man, I can't believe we're in December. If you supposedly don't have your live tree up by now, you're kind of behind the curve, which is shocking to me. And you and I know we got to start decorating and listening to a lot of Christmas carols and watching Christmas movies. I feel like I'm behind already. You are behind because you just said we're, <laughs> we have to start doing that stuff. I've been doing that stuff. I've been You've listening. You've got to be doing it. Yeah, yes. I've got two Christmas trees up in my house. I uh, started watching Good. Christmas shows uh, last week. And uh, I, yeah, oh, I'm, I love the Christmas music. Love it. What's your favorite Christmas song? Oh, my favorite Christmas song is the Christmas song that was written by Mel Torme. Oh, with that chestnuts was... roasting on an open fire. Very good. I I go with Sleigh Ride. See, great song. And you know, uh, I, but I the one thing I have done is I did uh, start eating five thousand calories a day because I think that's part of it too, isn't it? That's the the Christmas health regime. Well, you're not you're not behind uh, on the calories, it, and it, you know it sort of starts with uh, Halloween candy. But yeah, Thanksgiving yes. and Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which we just came off, you know, just sort of the, um, the the I guess national holiday gauntlet of Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of days in there. But the good thing is, Giving Tuesday, to me, I don't know much about it, but you, this is something you know about. Well, we love to support uh, charitable actions and philanthropy and when people give back. And uh, at the end of this five-day gauntlet and all those calories that you had and and all those calories that I'm still having, (laughs) uh, boy, this is going to be a tough couple of weeks, I'll tell you, with with the belt. Uh, losing that battle for sure. But uh, Giving Tuesday sort of wraps up the, the holiday Thanksgiving weekend, and we just had it uh, this past Tuesday. Um, it's an opportunity for anyone and everyone, including uh, individual citizens and corporate entities, to make an effort to give back. Um, it started in 2012. I, you know, I, I've heard of Giving Tuesday. I didn't know there was an official start date. Uh, I would have just assumed it's been uh, several decades of uh, of a Tuesday after Thanksgiving weekend tradition, but it, it only uh, became a thing in 2012. That's not that long ago. And uh, this year, uh, the most money was raised for a charity. So congratulations to everyone who got involved with Giving Tuesday. If this is the first you're hearing about it, because it's not really um, that prevalent of a, of a thing, um, 34 million Americans took part this year in Giving Tuesday. So that means there's about 300 million Americans out there that did not. So there's plenty of room for growth. Uh, This is, again, the first time you're hearing about it. Put it on your calendar for next year. Uh, Get involved somehow. Give back somehow. It doesn't even have to be a monetary amount. You can give back with your time by volunteering. Uh, You can give blood. Uh, But just keep in mind that Tuesday after Thanksgiving is, uh, is kind of a thing now. Giving Tuesday. And this year... Here's the dollar amount. The drum roll, please. Three point one billion dollars was given wow. 
this past Tuesday uh, on Giving Tuesday, $3.1 billion. And that is up just over half a percent from the previous year. So there does seem to be some growth, some increase. Let's see if we can get it up at least a half percent next year and just keep this thing going um, and get more than 34 million Americans involved too. Well, it is interesting to note that uh, systematic giving has proven to be very helpful in a lot of different ways. So with some luck, you can go from Giving Tuesday to sort of thinking in terms of giving systematically. Uh, and they are saying more and more as we head into the end of the year. And then, of course, uh, you have to figure out your taxes each year. But do speak to your uh Uh, your tax preparer because there may be some ways for your family to give because they're increasing the ability to give and to give different gifts. In fact, there's even a reverse 401k uh, government-approved method of giving that has just come out. It does apply to people who are over the age of 45. Uh, Someone far better with taxes could explain it better than I, but it's just another way uh, to give. And I read just an outstanding article the other day. They said it is America's generosity that has kept so many great programs running and that literally giving saves lives, not in the tangible way that you might see, you know, like, oh, we bought... uh, extra fire hoses for this fire department and they went out and physically saved a life it's all these systematic programs and even like giving money to a food bank saves lives so i i I find the whole thing very interesting and they say to become truly wealthy you need to become truly benevolent it seems like giving uh should be counterintuitive to receiving but it actually works that way. The more you give, the more you receive. Dan, I just read a quote this week. Danny Trejo, you know that actor, Danny Trejo. Yeah, he, very, uh, very interesting guy. He, he was. Uh, he famously said, "Everything that good happened in my life came from an act of kindness." So, you know, the charitable thing you can do, it, it will. There is karma. It will come back. Pay it forward. All that stuff. And with Giving Tuesday, it's sort of the unofficial kickoff of of a holiday philanthropy season. So now you're going to start seeing uh, Toys for Tots boxes in lobbies of buildings you walk into. Uh, You hit on food banks. That's a great place to donate your time and energy and and treasure. Um, There are families that that are less fortunate, and this is the time of year to make sure they're Holiday season is a little brighter. I know there's a there's a, a toy box in uh, in our building here at the uh, at the radio station, and uh, an easy thing to do. I'm not patting myself on the back here. It's just an easy thing to do that I suggest to all my friends and family is when you go to the you know your pharmacy and you're just running in to get deodorant and toothpaste, walk down the toy aisle and yeah. and grab a you know a, a truck or an airplane or a light bright or something they're they're more than affordable just add an extra 10 or 20 bucks to your uh, shopping that day inside the pharmacy and then uh, leave it in your car next time you walk in the building and see the toy box put the toy in the box it's just that easy and it'll make someone's yeah. uh, season a little brighter so there we go the official holiday season has begun it is january we are just a few weeks away from I'm, i said january we're it's december we're a few weeks away <laughs> from january because i'm all this is the time of year i get uh anxious 
about writing 2024 on my checks because I feel yeah. I feel like I just started writing 2023 <laughs> instead of 22. And I know our younger listeners right now are going, you write checks? <laughs> I know. How old are you? Hey, yeah, absolutely. It's funny you said that because as we head into a new year, the anxiety of getting the date right on your check, whether you write checks or not, and, and then not the least of which, uh, you know, you always seem a year behind on your taxes because literally you're paying the taxes on stuff you've already made, et cetera. But I have found my new favorite friend in all the world is on most computer screens in the lower right-hand corner is the date and time. Uh, by knowing those two fun facts, date and time, I feel like I'm more emotionally prepared for the world. It is something that you can you can really... <laughs> You know, brag about if your day's going terrible and you've done everything wrong, at least you know the date. <laughs> date. Well, I just find it amusing. It's exactly what you said. You know, I mean, 2022 will always stick in my mind because so many things happened on 2022. Uh, and ironically, you know, that's one of those dates that just flows off your tongue. But I have to check sometimes, and you're exactly right. Hey, it's 2023. Okay good and it's almost 2024 check you yeah. know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah hey here's what's interesting you know um we always uh used to be the old status symbol to have certain domain names as your email address and we always chuckle you know the original email addresses were oh good oh goodness gracious that company just flew out of my uh, mind aol AOL, AOL. yeah. So it used to be your username at AOL.com. And I think AOL has discontinued issuing them. They were still issuing domain name or uh, email addresses as just sort of a nostalgia kick. But this is a for real thing. If you have a Gmail account, um, you need to start checking because last Friday, Gmail started uh, actually deleting inactive accounts. So accounts that they felt were inactive, they are doing it for cybersecurity purposes. But if you have been using a Gmail account, you might want to double check that your account uh, still works because um, Gmail accounts are usually linked to such things as Google Photos, Google Docs, calendar events, uh, from Google uh, Calendar, et cetera. Um, and I don't know, Adam, I know that uh, you and I work for a company that's sort of Gmail oriented, but uh, you know, not everybody has kept up with their Gmail account, but you might want to double check because it may delete some valuable information if you haven't used it for a while. Well, that's good information for me to know because I do have uh, a few Gmail accounts that I used solely for the purpose of opening up a social media account. So, for example, I have three Twitter accounts. And uh -huh. you can't uh, – maybe it's changed now. I should look into this. Maybe someone listening that's a tech guru could uh, email me. Uh, but when I first started Twitter, you couldn't start another Twitter account with the email or account you had. You had to have a, brand, a, a completely different email to start a different Twitter account. So right. I've got three Twitter accounts, so I've got three different emails. I, 
at the time, I don't have that many emails. So I had to just make up one on Gmail. So there, right. there are, and I know I have another one on uh, Instagram for an account I have. So I've got a couple Gmail mail accounts that I've mm-hmm. never used. I've only opened them to start a social media page. So right. I, what you're telling me is Gmail absolutely will see these uh, accounts I've created that have never once sent an email to anyone. But <laughs> here's, if, they de- here's, if they delete them, I'm, I'm in the dark. Well, here's something interesting. I've had a Gmail account that I use for nothing but YouTube. Long story, like you said, to explain our actions on the air almost makes us sound like yeah, what are you two hiding? But but I have a bunch of saved songs on YouTube. Once again, long story, because I'm a music nerd uh, that I would hate to lose. But according, according to Google, they'll keep Gmail accounts that are associated with YouTube as long as you're watching YouTube videos through that account. So it's a weird explanation. But they're, you know, what the reason why they started doing this is they looked at their roster and said, hey, there's not that many people using this many accounts. They feel like if they can reduce the number of accounts through their databases, they can actually increase Google's cybersecurity, which is, you know, a good aim, but it could be very uh, inconvenient to anybody that gets theirs. Uh, you know, taken away. So yeah, yeah, do check those accounts and or continue using the structure that you're using them with. I I think that if you continue to post on Instagram or post on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it nowadays, I think that account still stays valid, but your results may vary. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Well, there you go. New York City, by the way, this was uh, there. It's now officially the most expensive city to live in as a single person, according to a study commissioned by Zillow. There are a number of people that are taking babysitting jobs as a side hustle. <laughs> so picture what is many people's most entry level job. What is it? You about the age of eleven or twelve? You kind of trust uh, that a mature kid could be a babysitter, right? Isn't that about the age you start yeah, looking at babysitters? I, I believe, yeah, you get your babysitting certification uh, at age 12. There we go. And But how about this? Young adults in New York City, uh, expected earnings around 30 bucks an hour, plus you might get the occasional tip thrown in, uh, assisting families uh, with uh, their children's activities, homework, uh, getting them put to bed in time and um, you know, so it's just so interesting to think somebody in their twenties as a babysitter, college graduate, first job in Manhattan, and you've got to babysit every night to pay your rent. I did see this week. You bringing this up uh, reminds me online. Just flipping around uh, through, I think it was on Facebook. I saw um, a post about some of these uh, apartments in Manhattan that. Will blow your mind, Jay. They for seven hundred dollars a month rent, which is very affordable in today's yes. uh, market. Here's what you get: you get like a fifty by sixty foot room. It, Holy it, is, cow. it is a room. It's got like room for a twin bed. 
And then there's a, on the other wall is like a mini, mini, mini kitchen, like a little mini fridge, a, a hot plate, and a tiny little sink. That's it. That's, and there's a community bathroom. So your, your bathroom, shower, everything you need bathroom wise is down the wow. hall. So you're living in, a, in an apartment building with a couple hundred other people paying $700 a month for a, basically like a, a large closet. That's, that's what you're living in. Um, and then they had other examples of, you know, you could get one three times bigger for like twenty five hundred a month. And I mean, I can't believe for twenty five hundred a month you would live in a one room, uh, like not even big enough for a queen bed, that type of thing. Just a few more cubic feet, maybe another uh, room for a small dresser to keep your socks. But you know, some of these, uh, I guess if. If you're in your 20s and you want to live in New York, you'd put up with it, and you just—that's uh, the time to do it. Because I can't. Wow. I I wouldn't have room to put my shoes in a in a room that big. <laughs> I've just I've accumulated so many pairs of shoes over the years. I guess I I guess the point of the story is I should I should get rid of some of my shoes. But yeah, rent unbelievable in New York City. It's just unbelievable. Well, what a challenge! And I remember um, we used to have a regular. Uh, promotional uh, thing that we used to do with our radio station. And I found myself one year traveling to New York City about five or six times. And I really fell in love with New York City. It's it's a compelling place. Uh, and you know, Adam, if you've been there, being in the heart of Manhattan, you just go, boy, this is, you can just feel the vibrancy of that city. But a guy told me ultra candidly because, you know, we'd meet people in New York City and the guy just said, look, he goes, you're not the only guy that loves Manhattan. He goes, but no one over the age of 35 lives in Manhattan anymore because he goes, you just can't keep up either financially or emotionally because it's taxing to live where so many things are happening all at once. And I thought that was an interesting observation as well. So it requires somebody young and somebody that's willing to live with a single bed yeah. and a hot plate. I, I've had this conversation. I, the only way I would live in Manhattan is if I was, if I earned, you know, $20 million a year, if I could right. afford a 3000 square foot penthouse with a huge balcony and have a driver and never have to drive. I mean, you, you've got to be uber rich to be able to take away all of the stress of traffic and people and lack of space. And uh, yeah, there's, that's just the only way I could do it. So that what yeah. I'm telling you, Jay, is I'm never going to live in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> no, that ship has sailed for me as well. But yeah, it's an amazing city. Great place to visit if you've ever thought about doing that. And you mentioned hey, you spend all this time, effort, and energy to get a bachelor's degree, and you might end up babysitting anyway. But now, uh, a new report says that nearly half of the companies nationwide are planning to eliminate bachelor degree requirements for many positions over the next couple of years. Well, this I was a brand new survey. Uh, that's on top of the 55% who said they had already eliminated these requirements. So a number of big businesses now are looking realistically. And part of this problem uh, stems, Adam, as you well know, finding uh, good staffing is not a given for many businesses. I, I still think 
hiring employees is still the toughest challenge any business has. Without question. I can uh, attest to that here at the uh, station. Uh, we go through salespeople <laughs> like, yeah, like candy. No. Uh, and I can't sell, so I appreciate what they do. But like you said, finding good people is a very tough, uh, tough, tough, tough. It is tough. Uh, because yeah. you, you find good people, but they're but they're just maybe not good at the job. Yeah, uh, and with due respect, you and I have always worked in uh, office settings where you have to have artistic, thoughtful people, and it's usually like they're either thoughtful and not artistic, or artistic and not thoughtful. You know, they just have serious shortcomings because the managers that we need really have to be literally song and dance men that have Harvard degrees. Yeah. And it's hard to find that guy. It is. That's for sure. So, so anyway, it just said that they mentioned big companies like Google, IBM, and Walmart announced their plans to not require bachelor's degrees. So this may help you in your job search. If you're making some decisions about education, we always have said, you know, education is the greatest gift you can give yourself, but not everybody in our country can afford, uh, certainly just to pay tuition, uh, just to pull your checkbook out and pay tuition is a pretty daunting task. It's so everyone knows that they need some type of scholarship or some type of financial aid because it's hard. It has really gotten expensive. That is for sure. So with this uh, initiative by Corporate America that, uh, you know, how economics work, that should maybe help drive down the price of college. Well, it'll certainly help everybody. It'll hopefully help uh, those that are struggling to pay for college and struggling to find a great job. Now, Adam, do you drive well? What, what's your self-assessment of how good your driving is? I'd say I'm uh, in the top 5%. I, th I think I'm a pretty good driver. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why I bring it up is I read probably the most compelling book, and I can't remember the exact title, but it was a book about traffic, believe it or not, and a college professor uh, basically looked at the art and science of how we get around in our society. And one of the greatest chapters in that book was people self-reporting on how well they drove. More than, it's well more than 75 to 80% of the people would say they drive uh well above average so if you think about it average is 50 percent so 80 percent of people are self-reporting that they drive better than the other 50 percent it's it's a statistical anomaly that can't exist meaning no you don't really drive that well and you reporting that you drive that well means that you are out of touch with how well you're driving. I just thought it was an interesting observation on our own self-assessment. No, that's it's true. And that's easy math for uh, for me. Uh, if 80% yes, say they, they are above average drivers, yes. that means 30% of the 80% is lying. They or they don't, or they don't know they're leg. lying. They're just terrible drivers. They don't know. Yeah, it. they're just terrible drivers. Well, the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety says that now a new survey says six in ten drivers admit to unsafe behaviors behind the wheel. Uh, they said that 
they admitted to excessive speeding. Um, other dangerous behaviors include texting while driving, running red lights, generally aggressive driving, and driving while impaired. So uh, we're becoming more aware of our own bad habits. But, you know, on that list, and we certainly don't recommend driving while impaired, but I mean, think about texting and running red lights and <laughs> aggressive driving. I don't mean to laugh, but it's kind of funny when you see the list and you think, I'm guilty of one or two of those every once in a while, and sometimes more than that, you know? Yeah. And running the red light, I have to admit, um, when it's a, uh, when it's, um, uh, what's the color? Um, when it's yellow, when it's rello, do they, when they say it's rello, <laughs> rello, <laughs> like, like that, that light was, uh, like I'll go through an intersection. Melissa will say, you know, that light was red and I'll say, you know, it was kind of orange. It was really orange. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. And I'll just, this is terrible that I'm admitting this. I don't run red lights and I don't uh, cuz I think I'm in a I'm in the top 5% of drivers. But I'm thinking like gas prices, it costs so much to accelerate that if I'm approaching an intersection and I can see there isn't anybody in the cross lanes that are that are waiting for their green light to go. And my light is yellow and I'm so close that I would have to slam on my brakes. I'm I'm going to go through the yellow because yeah. A I don't want to slam on my brakes and B, I don't want to have to accelerate again and waste more gas when there's nobody at the other lights waiting to go. So that's uh, maybe the worst advice I could give uh, on a public affairs radio show. <laughs> but yeah, that you know not everybody is a perfect driver all the time. So if you're if you're saying if you're saying to yourself, if you're one of the 80% saying I'm an above average driver, you know 30% of you are not. Um, I think since I, when you asked me the question, I said I was, uh, in the top 5%. So if I'm 30%, if I'm self-reporting and if I'm 30% off, that means I'm still above average. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and I live in a part of the city where there, I'd say a good 10 to 15% of the drivers are very aggressive and I think it's because I think they feel entitled. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I I uh, I, I was uh, just 2 days ago I was uh, driving down a street that had a lot of stop signs and I come to each stop sign and I come to a complete stop. And the car behind me, three stop signs in a row, honked. Was honking yes. at me aggressively. And Melissa looks at me like, "What is their deal?" So, of course, every stop sign after that, I would come to a complete stop for even longer. <laughs> uh, finally, they bailed That's off and turned. But passive aggressive. I, I just, I just uh, did they expect me to just run the stop sign or roll through it or not complete stop? I, I just, it's amazing to me, the like you mentioned, the entitlement of other drivers and how they think they're the only ones on the road. Well, here's my scientific analysis of why I think they're entitled, and it's a little bit of what you just said. I have found that the duration between when the light turns green and the first honk arrives is nearly simultaneous. So there's a guy back there that has the reaction time of a teenager 
and he is on the horn two one billionths of a second after, after it, it turns, turns green. green. And I'm just like amazed because I'm thinking the average person couldn't lift their foot off the brake and put it on the gas. I mean, the most well-intentioned individual is not that fast. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me laugh. I know it's annoying, but it's almost comical now to wait for it. It's kind of my little perverse joy yeah. of waiting for that honk. But you know that honk, it, it, that might have been the third light in a row where the previous two, the person in the front, when the light turned green, didn't go because they were checking their phone. And I'm I telling know. you, there is a responsibility as an American. When you are the first in line at a traffic light, stay off your phone. First of all, it's illegal. It is illegal well, to be on your phone many, while you're driving. In, in many municipalities, uh, yes, it and, is illegal to be on and, your phone. Plus, it's just downright dangerous. Well, just to be clear for people that maybe didn't really honestly know this if you you know you can't text and drive that is illegal i'm sure some people think well at a red light i'm not driving so i can check there my you phone go. no yeah. you, when you're in your car and it's running you're driving same way if you're at a red light in your car that's running and you're falling asleep and you're drunk you will get a dui and you can't defend yourself by saying well i wasn't driving the car wasn't moving so when you're at the at the light you're the first to go and you're on your phone, and that light turns green, you better go. Because I'm telling you, I'm with the guy honking. <laughs> I am with the guy back there like, move it. Come on. Especially if I'm the fourth car. Because when they finally go, three cars make it through, and I'm the fourth car, and I have to stop. <laughs> there you go, no, Jay. I'm with you all, all right, the interesting way. stuff. Thank you so much for appearing on the show. And uh, for our listeners, if you want to re-listen to this episode or any of our past episode in podcast form, you can on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.